Brand new LCP. It's your man John A. Schultz. Now, normally, um, I start these episodes in a more upbeat mood, but you know, with the news and everything going on in Ukraine and all over the fucking world, I want to send my condolences and just prayers, man, to Ukraine and everybody in the world right now who is suffering from violence, mental health, or any negativity. That is in your life. I want to clap it up, man. I want to send some amazing, great, positive energy your way. Now, I want to talk this um this bonus episode about mental health, especially mental health with black men. Now, of course, a lot of what will be said in this episode will apply towards women or men of any race. But I'm, I'm a black man, so I'm speaking right now on black men because I feel like, you know, woman. The ladies, it's your job if you are dating a black man to encourage him. Now, I know some of you guys are going to say, wait, I got to encourage a man. Fuck out of here with that bullshit, because that is what I see on social media. Now, everybody doesn't feel like that. But so many people have the perception or the stigma that black men should be strong 24 seven, that black men can never have days in which they don't feel at their best. As a man, as a black man, we suffer too, but we just can't be open about our suffering. So we have to suffer in silence. And I found a, an amazing clip from YouTube where they had a segment. Now, this page is called Context Beyond the Headlines. And there was a woman on there by the name of Maggie, and she hosted a powerful panel discussion with Dr. Andrew Blackwood and Jermaine Morrison to discuss the stigmas about mental health that need to be removed from the black communities. And I'm going to play that clip for you guys in its entirety. It's about 10 minutes long. And I just feel like it's powerful because like when I speak to black men, I know like black men, I, you know, that I grew up with black men who I went to school with black men. I work with like a lot of them are struggling. And a lot of them are in relationships. And I often ask them, like, when you go home, like, do you feel comfortable having these kind of conversations with your spouse, your girlfriend, your wife? And most say no, because they fear being judged based off of the stigmas and the perception that is pushed upon us in black culture. So right now, if you are in a relationship, you got a boyfriend, you married, like check on your man or the kind of. Make things in, I guess, in, in a way you guys understand. Go check on your nigga. Check on your nigga. Check on him. Like, because your man comes home smiling, because your man comes home and he seems like he's in a great mood, it don't mean that he's in a great mood. It's just that as black men, sometimes we do a great job at covering our pain, at covering our hurt, because as black women, like when you're sad, when you had a tough day at work, when you just not feeling at your best, y'all can go online on Facebook or Instagram. You, you can say it. Yo, I'm having a tough time, man. Pray for me. And all the comments flood in. Girl, you're going to be okay. You got this. Girl, I got you. I'm going to pray for you, Tasha. You, girl, you know you're strong, sister. But see, as men, we can't do that. Because when we open up and we come outwardly and don't appear strong or appear, quote unquote, weak, that's when the judgment comes in. Oh, you a bitch. Shut your soft ass up. 
Oh, I, I, I can't date no soft ass nigga. Oh, that man is emotional. That's what they say. Anytime a man shows his feelings or he opens up and he just expresses how he feels inside, he's often called the bitch. He's emotional. And I've, I've got that my whole life. Now, you guys who have been with the podcast from day one, you guys know I'm always open. I don't hide things I've gone through and how in the past I've, I've been suicidal in the past. When I was about 19, 20 years old, that's when um, it kind of hit my peak. Now, you guys who have been with the podcast from the beginning, you guys know this already. When I was about 19 and 20 years old, that's when my depression hit its peak and I thought about killing myself. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. I thought about taking my own life. It got so far to the point where I, like, I actually planned it out. I was like, you know what? My sister at school, my mom's at work, and like, I... I actually planned out the time I wanted to kill myself, what I wanted to do. But long story short, I ended up not doing it because I didn't have a child. And I spoke about this in the past before about how I was happy I didn't have a son when I was about 19 to 20. Because had I had a son, I probably would have I probably would have killed myself. Like when I think back to the mindset and the place I was in mentally back then. But I didn't want to leave my mom and I had no other part of me to pass on. So I just thankful that I was mature, that I wasn't out here in the streets having sex and doing this and doing that. Because had I had a child, I probably would have gone through with that suicide, man, because that was the biggest prevention for me actually not going through with it. Me not having a seat or not having a son, not having a daughter, somebody who can carry on my legacy and that can make my mom happy, you know, <clears throat> when I'm no longer here, man. But um, we're going to dive. Matter of fact, before before we dive into this fucking YouTube video, check on your spouse, man. I'm going to say it one more time. If you're dating a black man, check on that brother, man. And, you know, if your man had a long day at work and, you know, he comes home and he want to relax, he want to watch the game, he want to go you know, play 2K with his boys. Like, don't clown him. Like, don't call him, oh my God, you play video games, you boring as fuck. Bruh, like, let him live. Like, sometimes those moments be the only peace we have. Now, I'm not saying that you as a woman, that you aren't part of his peace, but sometimes those precious moments that we get to ourselves away from you, we need that. Not saying that you bring our mental health down, but... It's just, it's comforting, like, to bond with other men that we care about because that's where we can have real discussion, where we can be open and just speak about things that we are going through. Because sometimes now, like I said, with the culture being so judgmental, especially now when you look at social media and how it plays a huge part in pushing these negative, harmful stereotypes that men can't have emotion, that men can't express how they feel, and that men have to shut the fuck up and that we have to appear strong 24-7. And that's why I said in black culture, it's a lot of dangerous stigmas that play a huge part in black men struggling mentally, committing suicide, and ultimately feeling as if we have nowhere to turn to, nowhere to run. So I'm going to dive right now into this YouTube, this YouTube video. And again, this page is called Context Beyond the Headlines. Again, this is a... 
a panel discussion. It's about 10 minutes. It's hosted by Maggie and it features Dr. Andrew Blackwood and Jermaine Morrison. So let's dive into this clip. Brand new LCP. Time for the cue, an opportunity to dive deeper into part two of our mental health special. We turn to the black community where mental health experts are concerned, having seen an increase in trauma, depression, anxiety, even suicide in the communities they work in and live in. While Canadian statistics on the issue are hard to nail down, according to a report in the Journal of Pediatrics, it's reported that suicide attempts rose 73% between 1991 and 2017 among black high school students. And mental health experts are concerned as numbers are rising in the wake of the global coronavirus pandemic and the social unrest of 2020. While black men are usually seen as strong and sick, According to our panel today, black men are simply crying out for mental health support. Joining me today is Andrew Blackwood. He is a psychotherapist and Jermaine Morrison is a social worker and mental health advocate. Thank you both for joining us today. Jermaine, I'm going to start with you. Why are black men seemingly suffering in silence when it comes to mental health? Um, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons, but... Um, what I tend to find with uh, when it comes to mental health is that um, men are not really supposed to be seen uh, as having sort of issues with their like their own mind or or anything along those lines. Um, you know, growing up, um, the expectations you know for men, especially black men, you have to be strong, you have to be tough. Um, just you know, considering the elements of racism and um, a whole lot of repressions that they're going to have to face. And so any element of weakness, um, I think, exacerbates the fact that men who are suffering with things like depression or uh, anxiety or panic attacks, um, they pretty much have nowhere to turn to. And they just get somewhat shunned off to the side if they display or even talk about things like that. Mm. Andrew, in your practice, what are some of the unique uh, issues that black men face uh, in society that maybe others don't? Well, it's an, an interesting sense of a lack of safety sometimes mm -hmm. when it's in community, right? Like uh, Jermaine was saying, you're supposed to be strong, but then how do you how do you acknowledge that sense of a lack of safety to whether to go somewhere in conversation or just be yourself in a particular place and point of time? So we have that history of oppression and, and, and violence and aggression and things that is it's part of our worldview even though many of us might not have experienced a lot of that personal trauma we still have it with us for generations so it's got to go somewhere so now we're at a place where i think there's a good opportunity to be grounded in a in, in a more open time where we can actually talk about what we're experiencing, where we can actually learn to understand how things have impacted us from the past so that we can move forward differently. You bring up a good point, Andrew, and I want to hear what you have to say, Jermaine, especially about talking. Um, you know, I think most wives would say their husbands don't talk very much. And in, in talking to Asante earlier uh, in the show, he talked about just the cultural aspect of uh, in a Black community, um, communicating how you're feeling, communicating that you might be suffering through depression aren't things that are normally done in the Black community. Jermaine, what are your thoughts on that? 
It's hard to, um, especially when you there isn't an environment of trust and and openness. A lot of the times, if if something's happening, um, you know, for example, words words have a lot of power, and so when you hear things like it's not a big deal, or you know, almost like suck it up type of attitude mm-hmm. uh, towards somebody that's really dealing with something that's traumatic for them, um, it's really hard to open up, and it's it's a, it's a lot of layers. Uh, so even when, like for example, if a black man's in a relationship intimate relationship um for that partner it's hard to actually like really start opening up those layers as to why you know a black man or somebody in an intimate relationship um is suffering the way that they're doing um so it really takes a lot of patience um i think for black families it, it would behoove us to really start early as to allowing an environment where kids can openly speak in a respectful way, in a loving way, but not be afraid to express their feelings and really um, walk with them through their emotions. Because sometimes that's the piece that that gets missing where if, for example, um, a black grade two uh, boy starts to cry, um, we need to walk with them and let them know, yeah, it is okay to cry and walk with them to see what is it or what are the triggers that made them so upset. Andrew, we are seeing um, really scary suicides. There are approximately three times higher of men um, taking their lives than women, Um, a spike especially around 40 to 59 years old. Uh, And while we don't have specific um, statistics on black men, we are seeing an issue when it comes to men who are choosing to die by suicide, especially uh, middle age men. What are the warning? Like, this is obviously a warning sign. Uh, What are these issues that men are dealing with that are are causing this spike, especially at this time of uh, in their lives? You know, it's interesting because with men and men in our community, you're going to miss one of the warning warning signs because that's typically how we are. We're we're silent. We're quiet about things that trouble us. So whereas in some people you would notice a withdrawing, that's going to be absent. You're not going to notice that significant telltale sign. Um, one of the factors, I think, um, in all the cases where people who have attempted um, uh, suicide and um, are still here with us when we've kind of talked that through, there was that sense of isolation. It was Mm. the reality that this had been building for a long, long, long time. And it's not just as a result of one issue. So I think what Jermaine was talking about and what we all been talking about, communication is key. Healthy communication is also healing communication. And I think when we start to understand not just the not just the power of words, but the meaning of words and how that intersects with how we think, right? It's the thoughts that we have over and over and over that really get us stuck. It's the, it's the perspective that we have, that we hold. Because anybody that I've talked to once again, and I can even imagine the people who I haven't had a chance to talk to, there was a sense of powerlessness, an idea that I can't change this. And I am alone in this. There's no point. 
right? That's the internal dialogue. If we were able to hear that out loud, right? And then also know how to respond to that. Because just because we tell somebody, you know, there is a point, that doesn't change the fact that they think the way that they do, right? That's the whole beauty and the process of connecting with someone um, in a formal capacity who understands how thoughts work. And that's the beauty of getting that information out to people. Um, so we're not just waiting for people to come to us. We're trying to have the dialogue and move things to platforms where we can talk to people about how do you understand your thoughts? What does it mean when you feel this? What's the difference mm-hmm. between stress and what's the difference between anxiety? Because not having these is impossible because you are a human, but how do you respond to that, right? How can you impact change in your personal body, your personal sphere, your professional sphere? It, it all comes down to what we understand about ourselves and how we choose to live. And we have a choice, but if we're not aware of what that choice is, if we're not empowered on how to use that choice, then it's as if we don't have it. All right, we're going to leave it there again. Dr. Andrew Blackwood. Mm, Let's clap it up. One more time, that page on YouTube is Context Beyond the Headlines. And again, I want to give a huge shout out to Maggie. She was the one who hosted that discussion, featured um, Dr. Andrew Blackwood and Jermaine Morrison. Now, I agree 100% with majority of what they said, because like I said, somebody who's gone through it, that's exactly how I felt. And like, I remember... Being in college, and um, I went to Morrisville State. Again, you guys who have followed the podcast from, from the beginning, you guys know this. I went to Morrisville State, and I'm upstate New York. And my first semester there, well, my first year, like I battled severe depression. And it was many times where my friends, they went to eat, or they went to the gym, or they just went to Walmart, or they just was out and about, you know, together. And I was back in my, um, in my dorm room. Now, not because I wanted to be in my room at that time, but because I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good mentally. And I was struggling. And I didn't really open up because, like they said, um, as black men, we just, like, we fear opening up because majority of the time when we open up as black men, we are not understood or we are made to feel marginalized to where, We just don't feel confident in someone actually taking the time to understand what it is we are going through at the time we are going through with it. Because like one of the gentlemen said that when black men go through things, oftentimes we are told to suck it up. You know, black, black boys, black men don't cry, but we do. And I had to come to terms. I had to realize that over time that it's okay to struggle. It's okay to to not be at my best 24-7 because um, I got to a point in my past where if I woke up and I wasn't at my best so I just was feeling down, I started to doubt myself. I started to feel bad because I was like, I'm a man, bro. Like, I really gotta, I gotta suck this shit up. And, and like, like, once I found myself telling myself that, that's when I realized that it's an issue and that Something had to be done in order for me to feel better about myself and just, you know, work on building myself up to be a stronger person because it's tough, man. And um, now my son lost somebody on his mom's side about a week, no, about a month and a half ago. Now he went to Memphis for the funeral. 
you know, he went to the wake. I wasn't there. I had to stay behind and work. So he went to the wake. He seen her body in the casket. And they asked my son, do you feel sad? Do you want to cry? And they said that my son said, I can't cry because my dad don't cry. So I'm going to be strong. And that shit hurt my feelings because like my son don't have a lot of child like kid friends because I don't have a big family. So he's always around, you know, me, you know, when he go to his mom, his um, his grandma, his his auntie, like these are adults. So he don't have a lot of kid friends. So when he lose adults like these are people who he's known since birth. And the fact that my son went to the wake and he had to hold himself back from crying because he said, my dad don't cry. I'm a big boy. Boys don't cry like that bothers me. Now, I know some people, they're going to applaud. They're going to clap it up and say, yeah, look at my son being strong. But no, like when you hold that pain in as opposed to letting it out, it's harmful. I remember when, when uh, my grandma passed away in um, 20, I believe it was um, 2014, my grandma passed away. I went up there for the funeral. You know, she up there in the casket, laying down, passed up there praying. Now, <laughs> you know when it comes to black funerals, man. Like, you could try your best not to cry, but, like, when the choir get up there and start singing some shit, like, holy what? Like, when they get up there and, like, start like really getting in their bag, they start singing some sad shit, some slave shit, like, oh, Lord, oh. They, like, they just be, I don't know what the fuck black pastors be doing, but when they sing at funerals, man, it just make you want to fucking cry. So they up there singing. And like, I, I started to feel myself about to cry, and I held back my tears because I was scared to cry. Now, once I left and I was coming back to Georgia, because my grandma passed away. Um, you guys know I'm from New York City. So I went up there for the funeral. Next day, I'm on the Greyhound bus coming back to Georgia. Now on the bus, when I tell you, I cried my fucking ass off on that bus. Like, I left at night. I caught, <laughs> I caught the Greyhound bus from New York to Atlanta at night. Like, shit. Like, once that bus driver turned the lights off, I let loose, bro. I couldn't hold back. I was fucking crying. I had the sweat over my fucking face. And I cried for about a good two hours. The whole two hours, I'm thinking about every fucking thing me and my grandma did. From the time I was young to my teenage years to my adult years to my grandma coming to my high school graduation. Like, I cried. I thought about every fucking day. But during the funeral, I held back my tears out of fear of looking weak. And that's why I'm so happy for the LCP for that lunchroom chat. Brand new LCP. It allows me to have great, mature, honest, open discussion. And I don't give a fuck if you motherfuckers judge me because I'm human. And, but I had to get to that point to where I had to realize within myself that it's okay to have emotions. So when you guys follow me on, on um, Instagram, which is lunchroom chat apart, and I'm open, I'm honest about, you know, mental health, about depression. I had to actually realize and understand that that was okay because when I was in a place when I didn't realize that, I just, I didn't know what to do. And not knowing what to do or how to react when you're sad, when you're going through things, it's tough, man. Now, I want to end off this um, this bonus episode with a clip. This is from CBS 
me me get it pulled up. This is from CBS 8 San Diego, where they spoke about how black male suicide deaths are rising faster than any other racial groups. Let's dive into this clip. One black man dying from suicide is at top of mind tonight. Last week, award-winning actress Regina King's 26-year-old son took his life. Now, some in the African-American community are speaking out to raise more awareness about suicide and mental health. CBS 8's LaMonica Peters talks to a mother in Rancho Bernardo about her son's tragic death by suicide. He was only 16 years old. His mother says she and his father had no clue that he was struggling mentally. Then on November 5th last year, their lives changed forever when he took his own life. Joanne Kendrick says she still doesn't know exactly what led her son, Jace Balagoni, to take his own life. She says he'd recently earned money from his first job in San Diego, and on the day that he shot himself, he was with his father and had just gotten his first car. He sent some text messages saying um, goodbye and, you know, that we shouldn't mourn him and we shouldn't be sad and things of that nature. So this was something that either was long in the making, you know, for it to occur, or it was a split-second decision. A 2019 report released by the Congressional Black Caucus says that death by suicide among Black youth is rising faster than any other racial group. Suicide ranked as the third leading cause of death in Black men from ages 15 to 24, and Black men are four times more likely to die by suicide than Black women. We need more Black male therapists to be more vocal about their services and what they have to offer to these Black men because that's inherently who they're going to feel more comfortable with talking to. The conversation about suicide in the Black community was sparked after 26-year-old Ian Alexander Jr. took his life last week. He's the son of actress and director Regina King. We're saying this is happening in our community and what can we do to try to prevent it, especially when you have children like Regina King's son and my son who showed absolutely no, you know, they gave no warning that this was something that that was on their agenda. While research shows bullying, trauma, and racial discrimination are clear risk factors for black youth, those who attempt suicide are less likely to have been diagnosed with having a mental illness. Dale says parents should also start talking to their children as early as possible about their feelings and how to process them. For more information on black mental health resources, go to CBS8.com and click the link for this story. I want to clap it up, man. One more hand clap, man. That was from CBS8 San Diego. Now, <clears throat> I'm 32 years old and my mom still has no idea that I was at a place one day where I actually plan to commit suicide. Now, probably one day, probably this year sometime, I'm going to have on the podcast and I'm going to open up, I'm going to tell her about how I felt back then and about a lot of feelings I was going through and how a lot of it came from childhood trauma about things that were going on within the family and just the the unrealistic burden of expectation that was placed on me from a young age to be the man of the house and how a lot of those things that we do in black culture, in our communities, within our families, it plays a big part in a lot of black men's mental health not being the best or the way it should be, man. But um, you guys out there, man, one more time, man. I want to clap it up for you guys. And please, like, check on your check on black men, man. 
Now, I'm not saying don't check on white men. I'm not saying don't check on Chinese men. I'm not saying. I'm just saying check on black men because I'm a black man. And I know from talking to black men my entire fucking life that there is, it's a limited number of places we can go to where we actually feel loved and appreciated, man. So that's why, like I always tell the black men I know, the black men I care about, that I'm always here for you, man. Like, I don't care how it looks, if it makes me look soft, if, if it makes me look weak. Any black man out here, or black woman, whoever, if you ever having a tough time, you got nobody to talk to, you feel alone, you guys can hit me up on IG at Lunchroom Tedapar. You guys can send me a DM and, like, we can talk, we can have a discussion, we can just open up about why you feel the way you do, ways in which, you know, you can better yourself. Because as I talk to you guys with this podcast, I learn so much as I'm going through these episodes weekly. So it's not like I'm coming on here like, like, like I'm talking and giving my opinion or giving my advice or what I've learned throughout my 32 years of life. I learned so much on here and all I can do and what I feel like we should do as black people is pass down what we learn to help others hopefully not go through the same things that we've gone through. That's why I always say, man, it's important to be open. It's important just to to really have open discussion, open dialogue, because when we open up, when we love ourselves, when we, you know, become one and express ourselves the way I feel we should, like that goes a long part, man. And just a lot of people really understanding that black men go through things too. But I want to play a song, man. I want to end this bonus episode by playing a song by my guy, Oswin Benjamin. Hope you awake. If not, wake up and listen to this. I need you got 24 hours. I, I'll give you 40. I'll give you 47 hours. Two days is too long. You got 47 hours to give me a chorus and find a Rod to produce a beat. I don't want it. Now listen, I don't care what Rod say. His beard stink, and and you, you my son. So you gonna do what I say? Cause I brought you in this world and I take you out. I need you to get a beat for Rod. I need you to do that. That shit that you do. Okay, and then send that right on over. Be a weed transfer. Weed transfer. Weed transfer. Fuck the devil plan, nigga. Now you immortalized. Since kids in that summer camp, we had dreams that we ain't planning to wake from. Now they planning your wake. I'm Terry Guy. You wouldn't want a eulogy, so I gave you a verse. I apologize for slacking on that feature, so I'm a body. This beat behind Joe Hurst. My nigga, this hurts. I can't believe that I'm writing this. Just last night, we were freestyling on FaceTime. Called you up today to get opinions on some new lines. The phone kept ringing, figured you'd call me back in due time. I got impatient and then I called you back a few times. Who knew you were wrestling with the Reaper? I'm sick, nigga, and angry at God. You came home to work on music, then you died at your job? It's the worst day. Nigga, you wasn't supposed to have a nine to five in the first place. How the fuck I get this call five days before my birthday? We ain't seen this money in a lump sum yet. You wasn't even 30 for a whole month yet You supposed to be my Paul and ring bearer Never been this scared to sleep before Cause when I wake I know I wasn't dreaming You was just my mom and grandma a week ago Eating curry and roti with the till silky on and flag down We spoke on blessings and weakness bro You talked me off of the lads I told you how to shoot suicide in the head nigga As soon as I got the news I called your phone like if you dead I wanna hear that from you That's the only way I'm gonna believe that it's true Now Neo's on his way to Zion Ironic how all of this happened out of the blue 
I'm mad at myself, like what I'm supposed to do. My abandonment issue just sitting pretty. How the fuck do I enjoy the success? When I listen to your voice notes and speak to your ghosts and hope to get close to you. Ooh, I envy the fact that you left. Lucky you get to watch all this fucking from heaven steps. As much as I love it here, won't be tight if God calls me next. Fuck the crypt keeper, I wanna scrap with the angel of death. Whatever the devil do your way, you maneuver. They put you on house arrest, you turned into a producer. You couldn't get the stool, so you made one out your computer. They kicked you out the school that they hired you in the tutor. 2016. BET Awards, my day be on the screen You was working the building, look God intervene I was looking for you and Snoop was looking for me Damn, I miss you, my nigga If I could call Shenron with all the Dragon Balls I wish you back just to kick your ass before I kick it with you Wish I could dab you up and hug you, nigga Go to Emma's, get a bacon, egg and cheese and split it with you Even got a Swisher with you all this World War Three talk filling air lows. Kidnappers having kids snatching you never hear from. Countries burning Trump killing foreign leaders with their guns. Only God knew what you was being spared from. We making sure Mama Lisa and Tamika good. Just that same feeling I got when that news about Nipsey I hit the hood. You were different. R.I.P. and Nas Murphy should never be said in the same sense. Tuesday the 7th, I swear I'll never forget. The day my heart was taken out of my chest. The day I lost my brother, the day that we were divided was the same day that you and the father were reunited, nigga. You see, there's no TikTok on my watch. My thing is digital. If I ever injure you, the condition left you'll be in will be critical. Now, you think you're doing it big, I think you're doing it minuscule. That's a mini school that I schooled you in. Now, if we get back to the topic, you're going to have to watch it. You're going to see a reflection every time that you clock it. What I'm saying is, dog, I ain't going to phase by you. I'm the type of nigga that's going to FaceTime you. Brand new LCP.